are live. Ooh, there's no sponsorship papers today. Really? Yeah, really. Okay. Do we have their name and number? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay, so um, happy Hanukkah. Tonight is the fourth night of Hanukkah. We are halfway through the balance between light and darkness. So, tonight actually, because I'm working off the series of the discourses, the memorandum that the Rebbe delivered in 1965. So tonight actually is not about Hanukkah openly, but it's really an amazing, an amazing, an amazing concept the Rebbe talks about. So let's jump right into it. What's the modern issue to be dealt with? We always jump into a Kabbalistic discourse and from there always try to extrapolate a practical modern day issue. So, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, father of the Rebbe, taught that on the high holidays we do not pray for a life that is simply not death. Life can just be the absence of death. That's not what we pray for. Rather, for a life that is about being alive. There's a big difference between being alive or not being dead. It has also been said that the problem with living the life of the rat race is that even if you win, you are but a rat. <laughs> Nevertheless, this is the life most of us are living. The life of a rat race, which in greater measure is to live the life of not death. We're just trying to stay one step ahead of our grave. This is not just among those who live a secular life, but even among those who live a religious life. And nevertheless, their religious life is as the life of a religious rat race. Same thing. The question is, how do we truly live a life of being alive rather than a life of a rat race or a life of just not being dead? And I'm going to turn to a very wonderful story called Pinocchio. So, some research about Pinocchio. Pinocchio is Italian. He's a fictional character and the protagonist of the children's novel, The Advantage of Pinocchio, which was written originally in 1883 by Italian writer Carlo Lorenzini, better known by the pen name Carlo Collodi. Carved by a woodcarver named Geppetto in a village near Lucca, he was created as a wooden puppet but dreams of becoming a real boy. Now here's the issue. You know the story of Pinocchio. Pinocchio as a puppet had all the feelings, the mischievousness, the intellect. I mean, he was really a child. He was really a boy in every aspect. So what was it all about that no, he wanted to be a human child? He was extremely human. But the answer is, that Pinocchio yearns to become a human child because Pinocchio with all his human characteristics and the sense of being alive was but a puppet. Based on that, the title of this lecture is, Is God But Geppetto? Are we all but puppets with human-like characteristics who think and feel that we are alive? That's the question we're putting on the table tonight. Okay? So, in form of introduction, I want to share with you this, which is going to be in the handout. This is the front page 
of one of the earliest books of Kabbalah, works of Kabbalah that we have. And it's called Sefi Yetzirah, the book of formation. Sometimes it's called creation, but the real word Yetzir is to form, bara. Now, I want to just show you, the reason I made a copy is, I'm pointing to a line over here. Between my fingers, do you know what that says? Hamiyuches El, and then you have an acronym, Aleph, Aleph, Ayin, Hey, which stands for Avram Avinu, Olav HaShalom. It is believed that the book of Yetzirah is actually the works of our patriarch Avraham of blessed memory, which was handed down. I do want to tell you that Arya Kaplan, Rabbi Arya Kaplan, he, uh, he translated the book Yetzirah, Sefer Yetzirah, he calls it book of creation. And in his introduction, he actually brings down three different opinions of who wrote the book Sefer Yetzirah. One opinion was Avram Avinu, a blessed memory. Another one, I believe, was Moshe Rabbeinu. And a third one was someone far more contemporary. But I did want to show you that it goes back. Some books actually have written on there. This was the, brought to print by a very, very special man, a very special tzaddik. Okay, why am I talking to you about this? Because in Sefi Yetzirah, one of his very interesting teachings is that the entire creation is, the entire world, the entire universe, is all about being a creation of three. Which are the three according to the Sefi Yetzirah? The scribe, the book, and the story. That's how he refers to it. Sefer, Sefer, Sipur. Okay? Now, the Mimer that was delivered by the Rebbe in 1965 speaks of the world being created of three, yet from a different perspective. He doesn't use the words scribe, book, and story, but if I were to take the time, I can find the correlation between the two. What does the scribe represent? What does the book represent? And what does the story represent? But I'm going to share it with you in the language of the Rebbe. The Rebbe actually does not quote what I just quoted to you from Sefi Yetzirah, not this mimer. The Rebbe quotes in other teachings. So I just borrowed it. Okay? So the Rebbe speaks of the world as it exists from its being created by God and then God's commandment to mankind to transform Pinocchio the puppet into Pinocchio the human living child. That's how I'm seeing the mimer that the Rebbe delivered in 1965. Okay? And now for the lecture. As you know, we always start with a list of Kabbalistic concepts and then we explain one by one and then bring it home into the practical modern day issue world. So here's a list that we're going to explore tonight. Number one, Ashan. Ashan simply means smoke. To smoke is also in modern day Hebrew, it's called La'ashan, to smoke a cigarette. So Ashan, we're going to learn the mystical acronym of the word Ashan. Also, we're going to understand three different dimensions amongst the ten emanations, which is understanding, small faces, and kingship. Then we're going to study two different dimensions of the three major worlds we talk about in Kabbalah. Bria, Yetzira, Asiya. We will translate them and explain them on a general level and in a particular level. Then we're going to talk about a very interesting teaching that before the world was created, and I quote to you, there was he and his name alone. We're going to see how this represents three things. He, his name, alone. 
Then we're going to talk about Noah's Ark. And then we're going to talk about the commandment of God telling Noah after he finished building the ark, Bo Elateva, come into the ark. Okay? And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. Okay, Anyun Kippur, what is, if not the most primary service, at least one of the primary services of the holy day of Yom Kippur in, no, in the holy temple. Yes, you're right when you talk about the services today. But in the holy temple, it's all, it's all described in the book of Leviticus in the portion called Achremot. And over there, the whole first piece, we actually read that in the morning of Yom Kippur. The whole first part of the Chumash, that Torah portion, actually takes you step by step through the different works. There's the regular work, which is daily, which he did in his golden garments. And then there was a specific Yom Kippur, which you can't use the golden garments, you use the white linen garments. So now, with that understood, what is probably the most, if not of the most important service of Yom Kippur, was bringing the incense into the Holy of Holies. It is the only day of the year where there is a service that takes place in the Holy of Holies. One was to sprinkle certain blood of a certain sacrifice of Yom Kippur, and the other one was to bring in the shovel that had the incense on it with the coals, to bring the incense onto the coals, and then later he would come back to take out. And that was it. That was the only times they walked into the Holy of Holies. Even when they had to do maintenance work, they would be in a five-sided box with only the side in front of them open, lowered precisely to where the work needs to be. Okay? So now, let's talk about this. When we look in the Mishnah, the tractic Yuma is the tractic that talks about all the laws of Yom Kippur. And over there, in chapter 5, Mishnah 1, he explains the process. I'm going to read to you the part that talks specifically about the incense. So it talks about how he entered with the shovel in between the curtains. And then it says, until he reached a place where the ark stood in the first temple. The second temple, we didn't have the holy ark, we had the rock. When he reached the place of the ark, he would place the shovel pan containing the coals in the place between the two poles of the holy ark. Afterwards, he would empty the incense from the ladle into his cupped hands, and he then piled the incense from his cupped hands onto the burning coals. And here's the main line that I want to point out. And the entire chamber filled with smoke. Now, why does it have to have the entire chamber filled with smoke? doesn't say that in Leviticus. So the actual reason is extrapolated from one of the verses in Isaiah when he talks about the famous prophecy in which we actually use in our prayers about the angels, the seraphim saying, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. So in the book of Isaiah, when he talks about that prophecy, he says the following. This is part of a verse, chapter 6, verse 4. And the doorpost quaked from the voice of him who called, and the house became filled with smoke. Leaning on the verse of that prophecy, we reenact that I am Kippah with the incense. Now, what is the Hebrew word for smoke? Ashan. Ashan is made up of three Hebrew letters. Ayin, Shin, Nun. Ashan. In Kabbalah, this is an acronym. 
Ayin stands for Olam, the world. Shin stands for Shana, year. And Nun stands for Nefesh. This actually encompasses the three dimensions of all of the universe. Place, time, life. Olam, place. Shana, year, is time. Nefesh, soul, is life. Now, why is this a major part of Yom Kippur? And specifically when the high priest goes into the Holy of Holies of Yom Kippur? Because that is the unification of the quintessential Ashan. The quintessential place of the universe is the Holy of Holies. The quintessential time of the year is Yom Kippur. The quintessential soul of the Jewish nation is the high priest. Thus, you have the high priest going into the Holy Holies on Yom Kippur. Thus, we have the first insight to the entire universe being made up of three. Time, place, and life. Okay? Now, we'll take that to the next level. And that is in the emanations. So, just to understand. Okay, I'm going to give a little explanation. I've done this before. I just want to explain what it means, the ten emanations. So it comes from, we say it Friday, the introduction to the Zohar. It says, Pasach Eliyahu, Elijah Prophet, opened and, and taught. And what did he teach? He taught that the infinite light has no form or shape, no color, no definition. Thus, in order for there to be the different attributes from the colorless infinite light, there is a, so to speak, colored glass filter system. And you know when colorless light shines through a stained glass window, you actually see rays of colored light. Thus, you have the ten emanations. And they actually are explained in Kabbalah also with colors. There's different colors. You have wisdom is white. You have um, the concept of malchut. You have uh, strictness, which is red. But I'm not here to focus on the colors right now. What I'm here to focus on is the fact that you have a colorless light shining through 10 different filters, 10 different vessels. And thus you now have, from the undefined infinite light, you have the light of wisdom, the light of understanding, the light of knowledge, the light of kindness, the light of strictness. And thus something which makes no sense will suddenly make sense. When on the high holidays we say, God, arise from the throne of kindness and sit on the, arise from the throne of justice and sit on the throne of kindness. Now I know that most people who meditate you find a certain cheer, and that's where you do your meditation. Certain people who concentrate do the same thing, because that is the same thing why you see people do this with their fingers. What it does is it just triggers off a certain mode. If every time you meditate you do this, by simply doing this you actually trigger off your mind to shift into that. People use specific cheers, specific places. Now, God doesn't work that way. So what does it mean, the throne of kindness, the throne of justice? Now we understand what it really means. What it means is have the infinite light not shine through the filter 
the vessel of justice because then the light the world will experience is that of justice rather we ask God take the infinite light and bring it through the filter the vessel of kindness so that what the world will experience is kindness compassion and all those emanations okay now that we understand that we're going to talk about three specific emanations not three specific actually three categories one six and one we're going to talk about understanding which is an intellect we're going to talk about the male emotions, which is known in Kabbalah as small faces. And we're going to talk about the feminine mystique, which is kingship. Now, there is a verse in Hallel, which is actually chapter 113, this specific opening paragraph of Hallel, which we're saying every day of Hanukkah. It's chapter 113, and the last verse over there says, Em habanim smecha. The mother of children is happy. In Kabbalah, mother refers to understanding. Children are the emotion emanations which are the offspring of understanding. We've shared this many times. Fool, uh, a fear of the unknown is a fool's fear. And love of the unknown is fatuity. It's not love. So true emotions come from the intellects, namely understanding. Understanding is the three-dimensional intellect. Wisdom is but a dot. That's why we have the Father is called wisdom, because in his semen there is the dot, the entire DNA ladder. The mother represents, the, the understanding represents the mother, because the mother's job is to take that one dot of a DNA ladder and dissect it into a three-dimensional child. Thus, three-dimensional understanding, length, width, and depth, the way it defines itself beautifully in Hasidus, how that works out in intellect, that is the mother that gives birth to true emotions, not just fatuity and a fool's fear. Thus, you have the aim of the banim. The banim are the emotions. We're going to divide for tonight the banim in two categories, the sons and the daughter. So the sons are the male emotions and the daughter is malchut. Now let's talk about this for a moment. The world was created in six days, seven days, if you want to also count the day that peace, menucha, was created. Now, if you look at Kabbalah, the Zohar says, Sheshet Yamim, these days are actually Yamin Ilain, supernal days. What do supernal days mean? Emanations. <coughs> Which emanations was the world created from? Emotions. Thus you have the six working days is the masculine predatory emanations. And then you have the feminine mystique is Shabbat. Okay? Now, what is what is, what is the what are the six weekdays which talk about the six male emotions the first one is chesed and there's a specific verse that says olam chesed yibaneh and that is in psalms chapter 89 verse 3 the world is will be built olam will be built with kindness thus those six emanations represent olam now 
Bina understanding is very interesting. It's an intellect. Intellect transcends beyond the finite smallness of the world. The world comes from the small faces, which are the emotions. Intellect transcends beyond that and represents the infinite. Yet nevertheless, it is the mother of the children. Thus we say that this already is a life force for the world. It transcends beyond the world, but is a life force of the world. And therefore that represents the nefesh, the life, the soul part of Ashan. So we have understanding being the soul part of the Ashan. We have the six male emanations being the male emotional emanations being the olam the world because the world was created through them primarily the first one which is chesed kindness and then malchut kingship the feminine mystique represents time why would malchut represent time because out of all the emanations that we refer to god the only one that's defined by time is kingship for example, you probably remember this from the prayers. This Fardim actually sing it. Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch, Le'olam Va'ed. That comes from three different verses, two in Tehillim, one in the book of Exodus. All of a sudden you have Hashem is king, Hashem was king, Hashem will be king forever and ever. We don't say Hashem is wise, Hashem was wise, and Hashem will be wise forever and ever. Neither do we say Hashem is kind, Hashem was kind, and Hashem will be kind forever and ever. The only emanation that we talk about in a sense of time, past, present, and future is kingship. The reason for that is in the world of Kabbalah, kingship is the source of time. Okay? Thus you already have in emanations the concept of Ashan. Olam, Shana, Nefesh. World slash place, year slash time, soul slash life. Okay? I want to take it to the next level. Here is the emanations. Now let's talk about the worlds. When we talk about the spiritual evolution from the infinite to the finite. It starts with the spiritual Big Bang, which we know in Kabbalah as the word Tzimtzum. It's where Hashem contracts His infinite light, allowing the finite light to shine, the infinite light to pull back, so we can have the source of a finite universe. Post the spiritual Big Bang of Tzimtzum contraction, Everything divides in the evolution from the chain, from the infinite to the finite, is divided as in three worlds. The three worlds are Bria, Yetzira, Asiya. Bria means creation, ex nihilo. It talks about the creation of simple mass. Something from nothing, simple mass. Yetzira is where creation picks up a stronger identity of ego. It is no more a reflection of its creator in being a simple infinite mass, rather it now has finite form and description. The next level down in the evolution is the world of Asiya. Asiya means do, action.
action and it represents the next link in the chain of the evolution which is a total three-dimensional ego of separation. In the world of Asiya, you have two dimensions. You have the spiritual dimension of Asiya and you have our physical universe which is the physical dimension of Asiya. Now what I want to share with you is that these three worlds, Briya, Yetzirah and Asiya, are actually spoken about on two levels. In Seide Hishtal Shalut HaKlalit, the general evolution chain from the infinite to the finite, and we also talk of it as particular three worlds at the end of the chain, which is again the creation, formation, spiritual three-dimensional action, physical three-dimensional action. So I want to just share with you how it works in the general, bigger picture in which it encompasses all of the evolution. Is it evolution or devolution? We're going to call it right now evolution to make things here simple. Because we're going from the infinite to the finite. Correct. And we're going to, towards Tsim No, we're going from Tsim Tsum lower and lower. Lower and lower. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we're talking about a diminishing situation rather than... Correct. In, from a spiritual perspective, yes. From God's purpose plan, no. We're getting closer and closer to God's original thought of what the world should look like. The, the physical, yeah. Now let's go back to what we're talking about here. The evolution, simply speaking, the first realm of existence post-symptom contraction is known as Ak. Ak is an acronym for Adam Kadmon, primordial man. When we talk about the verse that says, for a thousand years is in your eyes as one day, we're talking about in the realm of primordial man. When we talk about that Adam with the light, the original light before it was hidden, saw from one end of the world to the other end of the world, we're talking about him being able to use the light in the dimension of Ak, primordial man. So when we talk about in Kabbalah that everything exists in the thought of God, very often we're talking about as everything exists in its most general, not detail, 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 we're talking about primordial man, the world of Ak, Adam Kadmon. Okay? After Adam Kadmon, that, by the way, that will represent in the mystical general chain of evolution, Adam Kadmon is the creation of infinite mass. It is an ex nihilo, something from nothing. It's a mass. And yet, nevertheless, it's in its total simplicity, all-inclusive. By the way, if you look in Rashi, we're not talking Kabbalah now, if you look in Rashi, who is the most famous, simple commentary on the Chumash, he mentions more times than once in the beginning of Genesis that his opinion is ex nihilo only took place on day one. And later on when it says on this day this was created, this day this was created, he says it wasn't created on that day, it was fermented on that day. 
Interesting how he also, from a simple perspective, brings a proof on the verse. Nachman, that he says, the only word in Hebrew that explains ex nihilo creation, something from nothing, is the word bara. And the word bara you only find in the first verse. Bereshit bara elokim et ha-shemayim Rashi says in the beginning God created heaven and earth. We learn out the extrapolating from the word et ha-shemayim ve-et ha-aretz. Rather than just saying bereshit bara shemayim ve-aretz, we learn out that it's all inclusive of all, of all its hosts, all the celestial hosts, all the terrestrial hosts. And thus Rashi says that on the first day everything was created. And that is explained mystically, everything was created in the sense that the mass from which everything was formed was created. Hence the word et. That's the word bria. For okay. And now let's go further. You have now that first level of primordial man where there's the all-inclusive mass from which everything is formed. The next stage goes from that mass to the world of Atzilut. We'll talk about the world of Atzilut now in a moment. In some books, we refer to it as the supernal crown. In other places, it refers to it as all the worlds that you've learned. Tahu, chaos, and all those levels that all exist in between the world of primordial man. I shouldn't say world. Realm of primordial man through all the realms up to the world of Atzilut. That would be called Yitzira, formation. The last step would be the world of Atzilut. Over here we're not talking about the next stage of Bria, Yitzira, Asiyah. That's already again as individual worlds. But in the all-inclusive cycle, the world of Atzilut. What does Atzilut mean? The world of Atzilut means Vayatzil and he brought forth. Another thing, another interpretation is etzel, which means nearby, close to. We refer, <coughs> excuse me, we refer to this world as atzilut, because even though on one hand, now we're using the word world, we're not using the word realm or faces or anything like that, which is used in other dimensions. Here we use the word world, and by the way, in Hebrew, the word world is exactly the same word for concealment, helem, olam, Helem. So we are talking already of a, of a lower level, which is why this in the general system is called Asiya, the lowest level, the three-dimensional separation. But nevertheless, the world Atzilut in comparison to the next three worlds is called the world of unity, the world of divinity. So the word Atzilut, we say that he, the light, and the vessels are all one. It's all unity, it's all divinity. So we have here the three dimensions, both in the particular sense, which is post the world of Atzilut into the physical realm. Then we have the general evolution chain from the Big Bang Tzimtzum all the way down to the world of Atzilut. And they all are divided in three. Bria Yitzira Asiya, which in Kabbalah and Hasidus is explained to be, once again, Bria, the highest level, is considered Nefesh, life. It's the mass from which everything is created. Yitzira and Asiya, Yitzira is world, Asiya is time.
you'll find that over and over the three describe the book the story understanding male emotions called small faces kingship feminine mystique both in the particular worlds which is post the first world of divinity and also from the tzimtzum until the world of divinity is divided that way we're going to take it up a notch Pirka de Rabeleza. The teachings of Rabeleza. Over there in the beginning of chapter 1 he says, Koidum shenivra oilam, before the world was created, Hoyahu ushmo bilvado. There was he and his name alone. Now simply speaking, what it means is, there was two, he and his name, and they were alone. In Kabbalah, every word is precise. So we talk about three dimensions. He, his name, alone. Which will again manifest itself into Nefesh, Olam, Shana. Which then manifests itself into the world of creation, the world of formation, the world of action. Both in the general sense and in the particular sense. So we keep on finding here this concept of three. Everything works in three. Okay? Now it's interesting. The Rebbe himself does not explain the number three. I am going to give my humble suggestion to it. But there's one more, one more layer for us to talk about three before we move on. And here's where I take you to Noah's Ark. God told Noah, I'm going to bring a flood and I want you to build an ark. But he left nothing for Noah's imagination. He explained exactly what's going to be, whether there's going to be a window, whether there's going to be a gem, a different opinions, how high, how tall, how long, how everything. But here is a specific verse I read to you from Genesis chapter 6, verse 16. You shall make it with, a, with bottom compartments, second story compartments and third story compartments again the number three and just that you know i mean let's talk about the physical story the top floor was the humans the bottom floor was the animals and i'm sorry the middle floor was the animals and the third floor was storage and disposal however in kabbalah these three floors represent here we go again. Ashan, right? Nefesh Olam Shana. It represents Bria Yetzira Asiya, which ultimately represents he and his name alone. Thus we have the entire universe that God created is all in the process of three. However, all of this Remember, even pre-contraction, he, his name alone, is all part of the Pinocchio puppet universe. It was created to exist. To exist means simply to not, not exist. Everything was predestined with exactly its description. That's all represented in the ark, Noah's ark. Now, just that you know, 
Why did Noah's Ark have to represent all these levels? Really, he was just asked to save what? Human race, animal kingdom, plant kingdom. Why did he have to have all this? The Olam, Shanaan, Nefesh, Briah, Yitzira, Asiya, Hu, Shmo, Levado. And Kabbalah explains, and Chassidus gives an explanation to it, because the generation of Noah in their immorality affected all of the universe to need Tikkun. Now in Kabbalah we talk about all the levels, but if you look at simple Rashi, who's talking to a five-year-old Cheder boy, he explains to the five-year-old Cheder boy that the reason why the animals also perished is because even the animals were cohabitating not with their own. And by the way, not that I'm going to get into this right now, but it hit me when I once read an article that they found in San Francisco homosexual dogs. The animal kingdom is always affected either by osmosis, whatever it is, to the behaviors of the humans. So I once heard, okay? And I'm not passing judgment. I'm just telling you an article that I personally read. And then I, when I read that, oh, now I understand the Rashi about Noah. The humans were behaving in a certain way and it just brought that energy into the universe and it affected the entire universe. Thus, the entire universe needed Tikkun, starting all the way from Hu, Ushmo, Bilvado. He, his name alone, all the way through the entire evolution system into the physical world. Okay? Now let's talk about this. This is all the Pinocchio stuff. Now let's talk about the next level. Well, so from the point of he, pre-contraction, all the way down to the physical dimension of Asiya is all in the building of the ark. Then there comes another commandment from God. And I read it to you from Genesis chapter 7 verse 1. And God said to Noah, come into the ark. Bo elateva. Why did God have to give him a specific commandment, bo elateva? So let's see what that really means. So Noah's ark represents the entire universe as God created it. Not just the physical universe, but even the three spiritual dimensions. Not just the three spiritual dimensions, but even pre-Tsimtsum. All of that is represented in the ark. But the way God created it, God created it as Pinocchio the puppet, which in our language tonight is going to mean God created it to exist and not not exist. That's all it was about. Then God tells Noah, you go into the universe. Who is Noah? You and I. Now we have to understand something. A huge question should be asked about what I said. I said that the Pinocchio universe, the Pinocchio puppet universe, the ark which represents the creation of the universe includes he, his name alone. Who is he? God. Really? God is part of the ark? God is part of the Pinocchio puppet universe? What are we talking about? And the answer is that when we say his name, 
Kabbalah says that refers to the infinite light. So what does he mean? He represents the level of God, the dimension of God, which is the source of light. I've shared this with you before, that God is not a creator. One of the things that God did was created, thus he is a creator. But if we define God as a creator, we have committed idolatry. We've given God an image, a form, a title, a description. So when we talk about He, which is the source of light, we're talking about the dimension of God, which is a creator, which means we're not talking about the essence of God. Because the essence of God is not a source of light. From Him comes forth all, but He does not have a description of creating all. Thus we now understand that when we talk about the puppet, Pinocchio, the puppet universe, we're talking about even the source of light is part of that puppet universe because it's part of a description, a defined description, which ultimately means even though it's infinite, it's finite because it has this description and not that description. It's the infinite light and not the infinite darkness. It's the source of light and not a source of darkness. Thus, even the word He is not talking about the essence of God. It's talking about as there was already an inclination within God's holy will to bring about a universe. And thus, step one is to have a source of light which will give forth light, which will be contracted, which will then have yada 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 yada. Now, why am I sharing this with you at this point? Because now we understand that if He, source of light, source of the infinite light, is part of the Ark, is part of the Pinocchio puppet universe, we now understand that when God tells Noah, you go into the Ark, we're talking about Noah's job is to bring the essence into the universe. Now we're also understanding what does it mean to transform the puppet universe. So the answer is yes. Before God created the soul, before God created the Jew, God was Geppetto. And he created an amazing walking, talking, feeling, thinking, mysterious puppet universe. Then God tells Noah, you go into the ark and transform that puppet universe into a living being. Not just the existence of not being a non-existence, but make it become alive. What is the only power to transform the puppet into true life is the essence. Thus we understand God tells Noah, I created the ark for you to go into it. Thus we now understand a Rashi on the first two words of the entire Torah. Bereshit bara. Let's talk. I'm going to actually quote to you this Rashi. It's amazing. And now everything makes sense. In the beginning of God's creation of, and in Hebrew it's Bereshit bara, the verse calls for a Midrashic interpretation because according to its simple interpretation, the vowelization of the word bara should be different, as Rashi explains further. 
It teaches us that the sequence of the creation as written is impossible, as is written immediately below. As our rabbis stated, God created the world for the sake of the Torah. Now this is a play on the word. Bereshit, break it into bet reshit. Bet means two, the second letter. Reshit means called head. Now we now understand that everything else is source of light and lower. Head means essence. Yes. Now, let's talk about this. God created the world for the sake of the Torah, which is called the beginning of his ways. That is a, the way, that is a verse from Proverbs. And for the sake of Israel, who are called in the book of Jeremiah, the first of his grain. What does this mean? God created the world for the children of Israel and the Torah. Wow. Now we understand why. God created Pinocchio, the puppet universe. That was what God did. And God said, and you, I want to transform this puppet universe into true living universe. And the only way to create a true living universe is to get beyond the source of light into the essence. Now we know that the soul within the Jew, the chispa de judio, that pintelayid, the core essence of the soul, which is truly a piece of God above, is the essence. Torah, which comes before the universe was created, as the verse says, and it was unto him as a toy of pleasure. When the Jew lives the life of Torah and mitzvot in this universe, he transforms the universe from being Pinocchio, the puppet universe, into the true essence of life, which is the essence of God. Thus, when you have just simply a physical meal, and you make a blessing over the food, and you discuss words of Torah, you invite those less fortunate to eat with you, you've just transformed an entire system of Pinocchio, the puppet, into Pinocchio, the living child of God, which in his nostrils was breathed, the essence of God. Okay? Now, I told you that I want to share my own little thought on this. Because the one thing that the Rebbe didn't explain in the Mimer, at least I didn't get it, was three. Why do you keep on talking about three? I just want to put out there a thought. Chapter one of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe talks about the two souls. And then in chapter two, three, four, five, he's talking about the godly soul. He explains in chapter two, the source of the godly soul. He explains in chapter three, the 10 faculties, which is a reflection of the 10 emanations, which is why God said, let us make mankind in our image and likeness. God has no image and likeness, but thanks to Elijah the prophet, we now know he's talking about the 10 emanations. Thus, we have the three intellects and seven emotions. Our brain has the three major lobes, and then we have the seven emotions, right? Now, he said that the job is for Noah, i.e., you and I, to go into the ark, i.e., the Pinocchio puppet universe, and through Torah and its commandments, to transform the puppet universe into a true living child of God universe. 
for that to happen, the human has to have both dimensions, essence and universe. Thus, I believe, is the reason why in chapter 4 in Tanya, the Alter Rebbe says, besides having the ten faculties, it has the three garments, thought, speech, and action. The Alter Rebbe explains that all of the soul's performance, soul's essence, performance of the Torah mitzvah's essence, has to happen through thought, speech, and action. I believe that the secret here is that because the world was created for man to do Torah, thus the world has to reflect mankind. Thus, because God gave man the three garments, thought, speech, and action, through which to do the Torah mitzvot, the world was created in the number of three. Okay? Now with that said, I want to go into the closing. Okay, in closing, let us return to our modern-day issue of living the rat race of simply not dying. First of all, it is true that if we are only living the rat race life, then we are living as rats. And rats live to eat, not be eaten, and procreate. Thus, we need to up our standards of living in which life is not just about conquering, hoarding, and showing how many toys we have. It's got to be about something deeper, i.e. serving God, being of service to God's creatures. Additionally, when we are living the moment of Torah study or mitzvah observant, we, observance, we need to put our mind, heart, and soul, and to use our thought, speech, and action, and most important of all, make this moment of our lives not a sub-moment of anything else, how many of us do Torah mitzvot so that God will bless us to be rich and healthy and find the Shidduch? That's kind of backwards. That means that these moments are sub to those moments. No, the opposite. But to fully live this moment as the essence of our lives. Through this, every other area of our lives will transform from Pinocchio the puppet into a true life of being alive. Todah